welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm Simon. We're both property people running our own businesses, and this podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. And last week we had a little bit of an update session, or from my perspective, probably more of a counselling session around things that had fallen through, and it certainly helped. But we were thinking back about the series of particular elements of property investing and purchasing and we thought this week we'd have a bit of a conversation around funding so if you can remember towards the end of last week's episode simon talked about the facts of his property sale completion and he's using the funds for that to help fuel him buy more buy to let properties so simon i thought we could just talk a little bit about why you follow that approach because we we do have different approaches to this although they of course cross over because I, I likewise do sell a property to support posting others but you haven't ever looked for external funding so I just wondered if we could have a chat about that. Yeah certainly I have wondered about seeking external funding and completely without requesting it I have actually had a couple of conversations with people who have said oh you're you're in property and you're purchasing an investment property this is back when I was last looking a few years ago and they said oh I've, I've got some savings in the bank you know and I have, I have wondered about this would, would you be interested in in doing something together or helping me find something and I well for starters I've said no yeah. <laughs> um, but more interesting probably is why I've said no and that really comes down to I think me being concerned about taking on the responsibility of other people's money i i don't quite know why i have uh, a bit of a hang up about this but i would I, I know i would find that very stressful having that responsibility which is strange because i have been on the other side of that that fence and i have declared myself a a sophisticated investor as the, the term is and I have put money into JV projects with other property people. So uh, I, I've been the, the, the or one of many providing capital into a project. And from that side of it, I go in with my eyes open. I know that the property might go wrong. The project could go completely pear-shaped. I'm unlikely to lose all of the money, but I might not be able to get consistent interest. I may potentially have a downgrade on the the capital that's gone in and worst case I could actually lose all of it and I go in with it with that knowledge known and I can accept that but when I consider it sort of the other way round even though I'm sure any potential investor providing funds to me would also have that knowledge and would also be going in eyes open I, I still wouldn't want that responsibility of knowing that I need to look after their money and and not let it decrease and not let it go go wrong and then on top of that also be be paying interest on top of it and I mean of course I do take funding from banks so I, I do have other people's money I, I do pay interest on it but it's, it's just a bit different from knowing an individual who has provided money that I then have to look after so yeah I, I, I've always said no and um, I think I, I cannot see myself changing that for the time being just because of that personal hang-up of mine <laughs> the funny thing is i i agree 
about that because it's funny if, if a bank said they were going to give me a hundred thousand pounds i feel a lot more comfortable about it than when an individual does the same and it's strange because i don't know why i i think if it's a bank i know that all of the mechanisms are in place to fulfill my obligations but actually that that doesn't change even though it's an individual but it's funny how we think like that because i i'm the same and i'm I'm currently thinking about restructuring my debt. I think that's the uh, formal phrasing for it. But uh, it, but it's interesting. So do you think it's it's the pressure? Because when I hear you talking, I think that would probably make you someone good to invest in because <laughs> you do think like that. And because that's how I feel. I do feel because it is, it is pressure. And I do feel like that, that, you know, heaven and earth has to be moved to make sure that we meet the the obligations of the of the investor yep and yes i can i can understand why that would actually be a good sign <laughs> but um i yeah no <laughs> <laughs> you say you you have the same thoughts and the same same feelings you have obviously got over those and and taken funding from individuals people you actually know and uh, and have met and you you know what they look like how did you sort of get over that if, if it was a worry for you what what made you decide to carry on anyway so that is a really good question and i think it's because my desire to grow the business was greater than my concern about that pressure so it was the ambition of doing what I wanted to do because I set out with a very big ambition, potentially too big to, to create a hundred rooms in around a year, four years on, and we're probably just over 50 and I'm very, very happy with what we've done. But I think I, I wanted to, to, to grow very quickly. And I knew very soon, obviously you read a lot about no money down, no money in all of which my mind is very clear on now, which is those things may be possible. But 99% of the time, there is someone's money in and there is some money involved. It just might not be yours at the outset. But um, yeah, I, I had the vision and, and I think finding the property properties that I wanted, knowing, and I think once I had a little bit of experience of thinking, okay, I've got a few properties. I know what the market's like and I know what we're going to do. I think I felt a lot more comfortable taking that money. The, tr the truth is, though, I think you do have to have a very, not, maybe not a resilient mindset, but you do have to have a mindset that is capable of, of, of not thinking about those things all the time. Because the truth is, there is barely a day that passes without me thinking about the, the funds I need to return to investors. I mean, to put it into context, over time, we've borrowed the company has taken over £400,000 worth of investment, individual investment around that figure. And we still have six-figure investors in the business. And that does, I wouldn't say cloud my thinking, but it's always there because when you're paying interest rates, and bear in mind, you know, we're paying good interest rates. If you think that current savings, I don't know what your savings accounts get, but mine's something like 0.1%. 
it's a lot more than that. I think that's good. I'm sure I recently <laughs> got a letter from mine saying it was, it was going to enter 0.01%. Yeah, you might as well just set fire to it in your house. The, um, so investors are clearly getting more than that, and our investors are they're getting much more than that. So that is quite a burden for, for a business to take on as cash flow, you know, if, we, if we pay uh, the interest quarterly. So it's something I think about a lot. So I think, I think as we're having this discussion, I'd say it to anyone, that is the thing to be mindful of, is that it is a lot of responsibility if you're going to deal with it in the right ways, which, which clearly we, we would. Yeah, I think, it, I think it would play on my mind as well. It does. I wouldn't say I've ever had sleepless nights over it. I think that is part of my makeup is that, is that I see it as part of the business. And as we said on the last episode, I've had to make very difficult phone calls that I didn't want to make where fortunately they've been rare, but where I've had to phone and say, dear investor, could we please have a pause on interest? So that's never a good conversation because most investors are investing. Well, they're investing for good interest rates, but some are investing for cash flow as well because they get fixed cash flow. Just to say, can we put it on pause? Or potentially, could we change the interest rate to lower just to re- reduce our burden? Those aren't conversations you ever really want to have. Certainly not me, because I'm the sort of person where if you and I have agreed on something and I've said, this is what I'm going to give you, and we've shaken hands, that there is something in me that, that would only ever want to do that. But from a business standpoint, you can't, what I've, what I've learned is that you can't always do that. Integrity is great, but equally, if the business can't exist because you're so fastidious about not going back on your word. And it's not, I think at the end of the day, if an investor's invested for more than a couple of years, which some have, and you say, look, we're going through some rocky times. And of course, I'm very fortunate. The investors I work with are clearly business people, clearly good people. And just they, they understand that we're going through challenging times and that cash flow isn't as consistent as it once was. We've got roadmaps for how we're going to get out of it. But I think even just talking this through with you, I think it demonstrates that you've got to have a lot of thought around it. It it does take a lot of time. And equally, when you've taken large amounts of money like we have, there is always that element there to think about is at some point those those funds, that capital has to be returned. And and that is not as easy as, as the magazines or books might tell you it is. I think what you're you're saying in summary, at least at the beginning of that, was that sometimes the world changes and you have to accept that business needs to change along with it. So it's more about how you handle those changes rather than the fact that there are changes. And as you said, it's about openly talking to people and making things clear and showing that you do have a way forwards and hoping that people are willing to to continue the journey with you. Yeah, one thing that you mentioned there sort of is the, the fact that this funding is always in the background of your thoughts. But you and I both have mortgage funding and I don't know about you, but I don't ever really think about that <laughs> except when it's up for for renewal or change or whatever and I, I yes I, I wonder if it really is just the, the sort of faceless nature of the the big corporate lenders that that really changes that dynamic in the way we think about it I think I think there's definitely an element of that it's it's personal isn't it you're looking someone in the eyes 
we, we no longer meet with bank managers. It's, it is quite faceless and impersonal. Certainly my experience of the mortgage lending is. And, I, and the strange thing is, I don't want it to be like that. I want the relationship. I want, you know, I've got several relation, uh, several mortgages with the same lender. Yet every time I phone them for a mortgage, it's like day zero and it frustrates the hell out of me. But I think you are right that when we when we have a private investor, this is now personal. We've got someone there that and that, and that word beholden. Yeah, that is sometimes how it feels, although I'm very fortunate that, that I have a, an investor who isn't like that. And I think for anyone thinking about it, you, you do have to be I wouldn't take money over relationship. And I've had I've had friends of family invest and contracts were signed and the there were minimum two year contracts but again probably to a fault when this friend of the family's life situation changed and they said within six months i really need that money back what did i do i did everything i could and got them that money back within eight months when really it should have been kept in doing what it was doing for two years so that i could actually deploy it effectively but because of that personal nature and because it was a friend of the family i kind of thought well i I'd, and and a friend of mine I, I don't want to i don't want to sully our relationship because of money so that that was a good learning for me now which is and i've also met investors where two years ago three years ago i was close to taking funds from them but there was something in me something in my gut and we all get this about certain people one in 10 might be, but my, there was something about it saying, oh, I'm just not sure about this. But when someone's got a check in front of you with six figures on it, sometimes you think, oh, maybe my gut's, maybe, maybe my gut's just hungry. I, mean, I don't know. But fortunately for me, we didn't enter into that relationship. And now if that situation, if I were in that situation again, where someone put a check in front of me and my gut said, no, I would just say it's, you know, I'm very, privilege that you'd offer that to me but we're not looking for funding right now or something because mm. because of those things that we've talked about i think you, you've got to be very mindful that it is a people business so i i wouldn't want to necessarily work with people that and this is and i guess this is the other part of the faceless element that you talk about bank gives you the money and then lets you get on with it so the only time the bank will ever call you is if you do not meet the mortgage payment so i think that for me relieves a lot of pressure because the truth is you can go out in the world and then go and do whatever it is you've got to do. And I think that that for me is why I, I would prefer bank funding over individual, because I just know I just got to get out there and do it. Whereas when you've got private investors, it's like having shareholders. You may have a weekly meeting, you might have a monthly meeting, you might have a quarterly meeting, but they can be very forthcoming about what they want you to do. Now, my investors, fortunately, are not like that at all that didn't happen by design it just happened because we've got those relationships where i believe they trust me implicitly but i i reciprocate that by ensuring that i deal with their money just the way you described how you would feel like you had to deal with it but of course you you could end up with someone that that does phone you on a weekly basis and when you've they've given you money and said what color tiles are you buying this week are you going to put the toilets in and there's an element where you you just have to put up with that if that was going to be like it but of course there, there's none of us that wants that level of oversight on what, what it is we're doing yeah i'm going to go back a little bit to in what you said and pick out one particular point 
I know a lot of property sort of training and getting started processes and, and courses recommend going to friends and family first to, to help you get started in finding funds. But do you feel that that would be the the sort of worst case for you? And and have you now chosen that you or or set out that you wouldn't go to friends or family again following that that past experience? I think we talk about that and we do do that because it's the easiest thing to do. That's why we do it. Because when we talk about getting funds, you have to get them from your, from your network because it's going to be people that know the people. I think it, it always depends on the situation. So we still have some investment from, from some family, for example, and it's a significant amount of money. And again, I'm, I'm fortunate that the people involved are, are extremely hands-off. However, I've got this cognizance that we still need to commit to the interest payments and actually we should be thinking about returning those funds uh, sooner rather than later. But if I could go back, I would just go out to the network that are not as close to home, even though it takes effort. And I think that is why a lot of people will not do it, because to go to former employers, to go to peers of ours at former businesses takes extra effort. To go to mum and dad, to go to brothers and sisters and say, have you got a little bit of money, is much easier to do and, and therefore much easier to get. And I think, depending on the sums of money, and any sum of money that someone's going to invest you is incredibly important to them. Whether that's 5k or 100k, that's their fund. So I still think you'll still go through the same things. What I would say is that for me, five or 10k is a bit easier to deal with because if the brown stuff hits the fan, you go to you go to your credit card and you, you just refund the money and you, you disconnect that. When you're talking 50, well, 10, 15, 20 plus, in, in some cases, you might be talking about people's life savings. So I think, I think you've just got to be very mindful of those things. And also that the big one for me that, that will always do it is that you will run out of funds. No matter how much you borrow, you will always run out of money. And it was one of these things I was told very early on when I started property investing properly. Someone said, no matter how much you've got in property, whether someone gives you a, even 100K or 250K, it won't be enough. And because of this message propounded in a lot of the courses, a lot of the magazines, which is around cashing out, no money in, there is this belief that it's it's like a goose that lays golden eggs. And it can be that, but it's, as you and I have talked about many times, it's so much more longer term than that. But my experience has been, even with 100K, you, you get in, you develop the property, but it could take us five years to get back all the money that we wanted to get back could take longer might, might take lo less amount of time but it could take longer so i think you know there's this sort of belief that you'll start with a little pot of money and then that is going to be like the you know the the, the coal that we turn into to, to gold or, or diamonds yeah you can sort of plant it and and it'll it'll just grow forevermore and keep yeah. keep sprouting and yeah, yeah. It's, it's not always that reliable so my view is if, if you're going to start seeking internal, external, sorry, private investment, then you are going to have to build that network at some stage. So why not do it sooner rather than later? And I know that everyone will probably still follow that path of, well, let's, where can I get the easy money? It's going to be parents, it'll be close family, and then I'll move on. But actually you will, you need that network. And I, and I find that easier. Yeah. 
uh, again, I'm going to pick up on something you said early in, in that, but it would be my worst nightmare for someone to, to invest and say, yes, I'm, I'm a sophisticated investor, so I can, can give you money sort of privately. And you make that a, agreement and things. And then it turns out that that 20,000, 30,000, whatever it might be, that they've invested in you and put in was their life savings. And they have nothing else to fall back on. And even if you, you don't do anything wrong, even if that money is safely stored in a property and continues to generate interest for them, just knowing that you have responsibility for someone's complete life savings. I mean, oh, that yeah, just nightmare. Absolute. I would hate that. It'd be horrible. Yeah, I think you're uh, you're very brave <laughs> getting over that and yeah, driving forwards with the expansion of your business through that. It's it's definitely a, a route that that I I don't feel like I could take. Well, and that's what I was thinking at the very start of this conversation, just to bring us back full loop when you talked about it. And I think it, that's what it comes down to. It boils down to tolerance levels. What can we tolerate? Because if if one feels that that is going to just going to be too much full stop, then clearly that's not the route. Don't try and force something that's not yours. Follow follow your route. Yeah, I'm quite happy to uh, take money from a bank and leave it <laughs> sat in a property to compound over time and, and increase in value and then remortgage and, and get some more money from a bank and, and roll again with that <laughs> and uh, that's uh, that, that's the route I've I've chosen and that's the route I'm going to going to keep following for the foreseeable and and neither route is more successful than the other there are some extremely successful people and I use the word successful just in terms of meeting whatever goals they've set out but there are some people that have done that cut and pasted and grow grown extraordinary wealth from it and but that might not be the goal equally the same for my route it's it's really what our objectives are as we've talked about before what what are the objectives we're looking for and making sure we're comfortable with with going whichever route it is yeah i think taking external funding allows you as as you said your your reason for it is it allows you to drive faster push towards um, higher goals much more rapidly. If you're going to allow, well, if, if, you're, if you're going to use your own savings plus whatever compounding from existing investments you get, it's fairly inevitably going to go slower uh, unless you're in a, a super high paid job and you can collect new savings and new new funds very rapidly it is most likely going to be slower than taking external investment to, to accelerate things. But as you say, you don't have to go super fast. It is acceptable to, to go slowly and, and build gradually. And I've, I started my property portfolio, a uh, bit of mental arithmetic, 19 years ago, I think. And it's taken that time. And I am only now, 19 years later, and looking at another property, which I haven't bought yet, but the, the one I'm currently looking for. Once that is in place and earning money, earning profit, should I say, at that point, I will have finally just about reached a level where property could be my only source of income and, and we wouldn't starve. <laughs> we would have to cut back. We wouldn't live life as we currently do but we wouldn't starve. And that's after 19 years. And 
that's okay because I've I've had an, a career alongside that. I've done other things. It just depends what you're expecting out of property. And I know for for you, you were wanting to drive that process much faster. You were wanting to be able to replace your your day job income in a in a much shorter time span, and, and hence why you you weighed up the the risks versus benefits and and chose a slightly different path to me. But yeah, it different people will choose different paths, and as you say, it's important to choose one that you're comfortable with, and and fits your your own personal goals. Yeah, I think there's a lot of noise, particularly in property world, when you get into it, and I think it's really just sorting through that noise to get to where it is where each of us wants to go. And I think uh, that's probably something else for us to discuss, not on this episode as we, as we draw to a close, but is I think our biggest learnings and our key takeouts really from from your 19 years and my 13 years. Yeah, I'm sure there must be lots in there. I'm not quite sure. My memory is good enough to to pick up any of the early ones, but uh, but, but we'll see <laughs> we'll see what comes to mind when we get to that one. <laughs> but yes, you're quite right. We are pretty much at time now. So, uh, do you want to uh, finish up for for today's to it? Yeah, as always, we hope you're enjoying the show. And if you are, please share it with someone else. Leave us a rating or a review. Or if you're feeling really kind and want to put some positive karma into the world, all three. But for everything we've talked about, as always, go to thebusinessofproperty.com. Otherwise, we'll see you on the next episode.